Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody. It is Friday. It is 1 p.m. on the West Coast, uh, which means that we are here for another Veteran Founder Podcast. I am your host, Josh Carter. Carmen is out this week, unfortunately. Uh, We wish her the best and hope she has a speedy recovery. Uh, If you are unfamiliar with the show, we every week we bring in these remarkable veteran and military spouse founders that are doing uh, just amazing things in their business. We talk about what they've done in their you know, military life. We talk about what they've done in their business world. And, uh, and this week, I am excited because we have somebody in the studio. We don't often get people in the studio, but uh, I am excited because, one, it's a friend of Patriot Bootcamp. It's a friend of mine. And uh, Aaron Barnes from Life Butter, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Man, uh, yeah, I'm so happy that you're here, man. Uh, you know, every Friday I get to bring in people that I know, but it's really rare that I bring in people that I know and are really good friends. Thank you. So uh, so I'm excited that you're here, man. Thank you. I'm yeah. glad to be here. Believe me, I am. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I, I want to talk... My my listeners have no idea who the hell you are, which is, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, except for my mom, who uh, you know, it's an audience of one, right? So uh, no, right. we got we got great listeners, and I love them to death. But um, they don't know the story of Aaron, so I want to focus on Aaron for a bit, right? Okay. So we're going to talk about what you did in the military and what what prompted you to get in the military in the first place. Military. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, my mom and my dad, they both had five kids before they met me. So they met, I'm number six. Uh, so which means I had a lot of uh, influence, you know, watching the brothers and sisters that they grew up. So one of my older brothers, his name's Larry, he's 10 years older than me. And he joined the Navy at 17. And we were living, so I was actually born in California, but raised in Texas. So um, he graduates at 17 decided he was going to join the Navy. He needs a waiver. So we all drove up in the mobile home, did the paperwork, hung out with some family, drive back. Well, about a year later, he comes home, you know, in uniform. He had been sending our mom nice things from the Philippines and everything looked kind of nice. cool to me. So I decided, yeah. hey, sixth grade, man, I'm joining the military. Nothing else. You were you were confident that's what you were going to yep. do. Yep. Yep. Nice. And and my dad being, you know, the entrepreneur that he was and all the things that he was in, city councilman, he has hands in like everything in town. And he would ask me sometimes like, uh, so if that doesn't work out, buddy, what you going to do? I was like, oh, no, it's going to work. I'm going to make it work. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately I did. So um, at 18, um, I joined and uh, never looked back. Nice. Never looked back. And you joined the... Army. Army. So you went the other way. How difficult is it is in your home during the Army-Navy game every year? Uh, not at all. My no. brother doesn't. I don't think he pays attention. Really? Yeah, I don't think he pays attention at after, all. After last year, you got to get him to pay attention because you guys actually won this I year. know, exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, Army, what did you do in the Army? So I went in as a... At the time, in 1989... It was a record data telecommunications operator. So basically, I was transmitting classified and unclassified messages. Okay. So, um, like now, basically, what your email system does, <laughs> we were doing on a very antiquated scale back then. If you yeah. think of the James Bond movie where they go into like that data center area and you got those mag tape reels going as the place is blowing up. We had those mag tape reels. We used to have to take those reels off and put it on a magnet to degauss them, and it was. And then we had the paper tape readers. It was all crazy. Man, you don't look that old. <laughs> this is uh, what year was this? Oh, that was so. I went in in '89. So this is Presidio of San Francisco. So that oh, wow. was like '91. I was gonna say because Presidio is now like a museum and condos and all this. <laughs> stuff. You know, I was there from what '90, 90, '91 to 94. So I left in September. October that year was when it became um, a national park. Yeah. yeah. And some of the Navy took over, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say, I, yeah. I spent some time at Treasure Island. People didn't realize that that was yeah, a Navy Treasure, yeah, was right, yeah. base for a bit, right? And yeah. uh, and so it's funny. Uh, it, that's great that we're we're not that far apart in, in age. That, right. I feel, right. I feel much better. Thank you. So... <laughs> and there's some applause. There's some applause. <laughs> 
So, uh, so where were you stationed? Where, like, where, where did you go? Uh, first duty assignment um, was Korea. And the interesting thing about that is that's when Desert Storm was going on. Yeah. So I wound up getting an extra three months tacked on to my time there. And when it was time for me, when I was getting close to uh, PCSing from over there, it was really crazy. The last two weeks, I mean, I had some serious insomnia. I couldn't sleep because I thought any one of those days that they were going to come and say, hey, you're being extended. Yeah. And yeah, when I got to that morning, I got up early. I got out of there. Yeah. <laughs> it was time to go. What did you hope to get out of the military? Um, so seeing my brother coming home, you know, like I say, so I knew about the travel. Yeah. Right. I know you're getting paid like nothing. Chicken feed. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, but I wanted the big thing for me was the travel, um, not having to pay rent, having room and board and then learning a skill. Mm -hmm. A trade. Yeah. That was one of the big, big ones for me. So I knew that just being in the military period, you could get out and you, if you wanted to become a police officer, it would be easier sure. because of military service. So I said, hey, I need to get into something that I really want to do when I get out. And I scored high in the um, computer area, right? So um, I said, hey, I'm going to get something I can use when I get out. And that was the data telecommunications job, which they came out and did like a $50,000 investigation in town on me. So when I came back home um, after basic training, um, I had people like, oh, yeah, they came by here. They were in suits and they were asking us questions. And so what they would do is come out and if I referred 10 people, put 10 people on the list, they would talk to those people, each one of those people, and then they would go down the line and ask them somebody else that knew me. So some of the people were third and fourth down the line as opposed to directly right. interacting with me. So my church, my old job, they went by high school. And so, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, they say the dollar amount for that investigation was like worth $50,000. I'm like, okay, cool. And and you didn't have to pay a dime of that. I didn't. I didn't. Other than your blood, sweat, and tears, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so so you you get in. Um, what What do you think it was in the military that helped shape what you are doing today as an entrepreneur or, or any lessons learned from the military that you think you you take away from that and go, man, I, I did something pretty remarkable uh, or a lesson, and now it's really serving me well as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to continue the, the work. If you're, if you know, you're on a mission um, and it doesn't start out the way you think it's going to, or there are some potholes, um, halfway point, quarter point, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the contingency plan. I mean, I had I had never heard that word prior to joining the military. So, mm -hmm. uh, my dad had me. Uh, I was pretty disciplined before I went in, so yeah. that wasn't an issue. Uh, but getting there and just starting to pay attention to detail, and then understanding that, yeah, you start a mission um, in one particular phase, and it may not work out the way you think it's going to. That doesn't mean it's the end of the mission. You just have to, the word that's used now, pivot. You just got to right. redirect. You redirect. Yeah. Uh, you may be calling some more resources, get some different resources, and look at going at about it a different way. And it may take you a few days or a few hours more to complete that mission, but you can still complete it as long as you stick with it and persevere. Yeah. And what do you think? We all have, like, sea stories, right? In the Navy, we call them sea stories. But right. I'm sure you have. So what, what are some of the, the key takeaways that you had from the military that were, like, one of those um, just amazing things that happened to you that were like your aha moment that really changed the Aaron before the military to Aaron after the military? Let's see here. Before and after. Because, I, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody has these stories where, like, for me, I was a punk kid when I, before I joined the military. I'm a punk adult now. But anyway, I, I definitely grew up during my duration in the military, the yeah. shit that I saw. And everybody has these, but what was that one component you think for you that was that pivot point that helped grow you? Okay, so yeah. um, at Fort Bragg and PLDC, um, which is Primary Leadership Development Course. So one particular day, it was the day where I had to, I was in charge and um, I had to give PT that morning. And so physical you, training. Yeah. So you're in leadership training and it's 30 days long. You're basically away from the family the entire time other than, I think, three days because you get a two weekend pass. And then if you earn them, actually, you have to do interesting. You have to pass land navigation. And then I think it was something else you had to meet. Yeah, and then yeah. You got these couple of days out of there. Um, so one particular and it was interesting that they had picked me to be in charge of the platoon. Right. So I was marked. I was in charge of marching them to Chow and to some other places. And then I would be able to assign other people to marches and mm -hmm. 
well, one particular, that particular morning we're doing PT, I'm in charge. And <clears throat> one of the main things that I've learned um, that I still apply today and I understand and know very well is that when you're in charge, people are listening to you. So I still kept my command voice. And when you're in, when you're breaking people out in formation um, to get ready to do PT, you have to break everybody out so there's no space between us. Well, I didn't have us drop our, um, our um, reflective belts, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to collapse everybody, march them over a few feet away from where they were, have them drop their gear, come back over and re-extend them, and do PT. And when we were done, we were being critiqued. And one of the guys said, you know, um, Aaron started us out the way we were supposed to, although we didn't drop our gear. He marched us back over, we dropped, he said, so if you didn't understand the real process, you wouldn't have been the wiser as to a mistake because his command voice never changed and, you know, you never saw it on his face. And that just helped me to understand that, yeah, if pretty, I mean, a lot of times you can be given a speech mm-hmm. and, like, screw up the speech and a lot of people in the audience would never know. Yeah. Right. I mean, unless it's a written out speech that's been handed to everyone. So uh, having the confidence right, yeah. is the confidence. Confidence wins. And if you stay in there and hang with it, um, yeah, you can still come out smelling like a rose on the other side. Just dust yourself off. Keep right on going. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you uh, you did how many years in the in the army? I did ten. Ten years. Yeah. What did you end up? Uh, what was your e? Oh man! So I was a corporal when I got out. Come on. So here's the thing. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you on a little journey. So yeah, please. I found out when I before I ever went before I ever joined and went in. Um, I wasn't looking at being a lifer. Yeah. I wanted to do like a two three year stint for the job. I had to do four. I said fine. So right around the three year mark, I hear that the Army, they have this separation program that if you have between six and eight years, they paid you out a lump mm-hmm. sum. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that. So okay. while I was at Presidio, I re-enlisted. Oh, nice. Alexa, stop. <laughs> it's always fun when Alexa just starts randomly. <laughs> right? <laughs> nice. And, and so I heard about the program, and I said, hey, I'll ride this and um, get a little separation money on my way out. So, again, I re-enlisted in San Francisco, city of San Francisco, and then I'm in Germany. Well, while I'm in Germany, they change it again. So they moved it from six to eight years to eight to ten years. Come on, like, God damn. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, uh, we'll ride it out. And so I did like two years of my stint in Germany. Time is coming up to re-enlist. I re-enlisted again. The key was I had to stay at the same rank because if I would have gotten promoted to E5, um, I mean, that would have been what? I don't know. I think $120 a month raise. And about, I don't know, maybe 80 of that in taxes. So yeah. I saw about 45 bucks or whatever the case would have been. And I would have gotten out and I wouldn't have had a payday. So I said, nope, I'm going to stay the course. Interesting. So again, have the confidence to yeah, make yeah. a decision to stay with it. So um, I did. And when I got out, um, oh, funny. So at Fort Bragg, my first sergeant was kind of on me. You know, Spencer's Barnes trying to get you promoted. And I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> and I did a great job. I do yeah. my job and did great at PT and all that. But I did not want to get promoted. Yeah. And. I didn't want to run around saying that to everybody because, you know, <laughs> you put me in the doghouse. Yeah. And so um, it worked out, though. So when I got out, I wound up getting a lump sum of, like, what, 15000 and change. That's not bad. And then, uh, of course, you know, the uncle who I love to hate comes along, sticks his hand in my pocket. He took about four of that. So I had, like, eleven and change. And part of that I used as a down payment um, on our first house. And nice. like I say, I never looked back. So yeah. I had a plan. I executed on it. And it seemed to work well for me. Yeah. No, it's that focus, right? I think a lot of the military veteran founders that I talk to, um, the, the, the thing that's consistent, at least, is the focus. Yeah, they're very focus-driven, mission-driven, and determined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. Yeah. It's, it's just it's one of those things that I think separate military veteran founders to non-veteran founders. So 10 years, you get out. What's the first thing you do? Oh, first thing I do... Um, <laughs> So let's see. Okay, because I had went to visit my parents in Texas. That was on terminal leave, and then I went back to Fort Bragg, and we drove out here actually because the ex-wife, her parents were in Estacada. Nice. So we get out here. I already had um, um, an interview lined up out at Nike through um, a Daco. So we get here. I think the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, it was the day before, and I think I went to the interview actually on Thanksgiving, and it's, it was snowing like crazy that day. I go out there, and here's the funny thing. So I go out there, I got on like a um, you know, navy blue suit, tie, yeah, and all yeah. this. 
And they tell me that the guy who was there interviewing before me, he was actually, I mean, he was kind of scrubbed out a bit. Yeah. And he was actually wearing some Adidas. Yeah? Come on. <laughs> you show up to Nike with Adidas on? He did. That's he like did. 101 stuff. Why well, would you do that? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to make a statement. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that he was. doesn't want to work there. That's yeah, a statement exactly, he wants exactly, to work. Exactly. That's hilarious. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Cool? All right. All right. So uh, today's episode of Veterans Startups Podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize takes a strategic approach to PR, planning your publicity needs in concert with your long-term growth and business objectives. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. So we are here with Aaron Barnes of Life Butter, which we're going to talk about is absolutely scrumptious, by the way, and uh, delicious. I love it. Every time I see you, I get uh, at least 50 uh, of these little samples, uh, and my kids uh, just eat them up, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But we're talking about your transition between the military and, you know, sort of before Life Butter. Yeah. And you were at Nike, interview, go. Okay, so yeah, um, <laughs> interesting thing. So I got the job out there, and nice. I was working in the Mike Schmitz building um, doing, I think it was like, it was data, I don't want to say it wasn't recovery, but I was doing the data collection is mm-hmm. what it was, and then we was compacting everything. Um, I was, it was a grave shift, compacting everything, and then shipping it out to... Uh, the East Coast. Was this physical data or is all software data? Oh, uh, software. Oh, okay. Software. And um, I did that for about a week and has word, had words with the Deco like, yeah, because I, I couldn't get any of the perks of Nike because right. I was contracted, so to speak. So, yeah, so I kind of just asked them to yeah. you know, bail <laughs> go, me out. Go find that. something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And I basically went back to being at the house. Well, actually, I drew unemployment for about three weeks. Okay. Well, I looked for another job. Yeah, yeah. And then I found the job over at Electric Light Wave in Vancouver. And let's see, I started there in March, I want to say. And April, we got the keys to the first place. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, been been cooking ever since. So uh, I wound up being there for 14 months because that's, of course, when telecom was hot around the 2000s. Yep. And then I hear about this startup called New Edge. Okay. I was like, oh, really? New Edge Networks? Okay, all right. And so I, uh, I take a peek at what they got going on, and I wasn't happy with um, my pay where mm-hmm. I was. And I submitted. I threw my email out to a couple of headhunters. I was getting hits in like two, three hours. It was, it was crazy because yeah. that was the time back then. Yep. And so within a week, I had an interview over there, and I went over and was talking to this guy. He needed a supervisor over um, the design, mm-hmm. circuit design area. And he got to looking at my resume and saw all the technical equipment that I had dealt with in the in the Army, Cisco mm-hmm. routers and all the other stuff. And so he uh, said, hey, you know, I think you'd be better equipped over here in our knock group. And so he had one of those guys come down and interview me, and they wanted me. So nice. from there, yeah, I wound up being in their knock, and I was there for 10 and a half years. Wow. And then went. It's a long time to be working at a, out of a knock. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But you know, I worked on about half of that was um, grave shift. Oh, really? Right. Because you know, so I, it was funny. I got a raise like after my first year, and I think a big part of that was because I was one of the Hood to Coast guys. Yeah. And I ran Hood to Coast, and the uh, CEO Dan ran Hood to Coast, and my director ran Hood to Coast. Yeah, yeah. Steve. Nice. Shout out to Steve Redmond. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's back in town, actually, too, because he was in Guam. I just yeah. ran into him about three weeks ago. That's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, um, and most people, you know, at least back there in our group, I know, didn't give raises that year, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, raises kind of got shut down. And so to give myself a raise, I went to grave shift. Yeah. 10%. <laughs> it's interesting. So, yeah, I, I I spent a lot of time in the telecom industry as well and, and, and built some knocks. And yeah. so, yeah, it's interesting. So for those uninitiated, knock is Network Operations Center, and it's just basically a big room with a window, and you have all the stats about what's going on in the network, and you've got all the information, yeah. tickets, et cetera. Uh, it's like a war room for... It is. For, it really is. Uh, but that's cool. So what I'm really interested now is... You get from working in a knock, doing telecommunications, degaussing, you know, magnetic <laughs> strips, to almond butter. So, well, from day one, 
I think in Korea, I was there and sick. Um, the water was tearing my stomach up. And so the one of the doctors over there wrote in my medical records that potential IBS candidate, which is irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. Tons of people have it. So sensitive intestines, basically. And I come to find out that that's from the horrible diet that I'm eating. So while I was at... Um, so my 10 and a half years at New Edge led me back to the old company, which was ELI and now known as Integra Telecom. Mm-hmm. So I go back there. And while I'm there, I happen to be listening to, uh, I listened to uh, my man Napoleon Hill, um, They Can Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. So that opened up my mind. And I had started a book, which I pushed off to the side. And being that I had those stomach issues, one night I Google like uh, remedies for IBS. And one of the links I clicked on and started reading, it said juicing could help, juicing daily, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that. And because I had a juicer at home, wasn't using it, like so many people that I met. Um, I started <laughs> juicing. I felt great. After about two months, my daughter, her eczema cleared up on her arms. And I was like, okay, you know what? As a country, we are vitamin and nutrition deprived. And so I started a little juice company, right? So I went and bought a little truck, got a cart, had it outfitted, started doing some farmers markets and events. And then I just started doing raw juice delivery. Well, I threw all my medication out that I was taking, felt like I was Superman, and I went fine for about three years. Yeah. Um, and what was this juicing company called? So it was called Absolutely Juicy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you I got a few looks. You are a marketing turns. genius, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm running this, and I'm doing just fine. But what happened, so I was working through lunch a lot of times and wasn't eating, so I lost about 10 pounds over about, I don't know, two, three-month period. And then one day I look, I'm saying, hey, I need to put a little weight back on. So I go get a gym membership. And then I started eating a bunch of trash. Way too many cookies, way too much candy, because I know it's calories, but it was bad calories, right? And so my stomach starts bugging me again, but it's a t- pain in a totally different area from the IBS. So I know it's not the same thing. It took me about three weeks Google searching and symptoms and just trying to figure out candida, which candida. is yeah, overgrowth of the bad bacteria in the gut turns into a fungus. It is very hard to reduce back to its natural state, um, but I was able to do it. It took about a year and a half, but um, and so and how that, did you do that? What did what what was the so there's a protocol? So there's like a candida diet. Okay. Right? So basically, you know, a lot of times when we're trying to do something, we have a problem. What do we do? We say, oh, elimination diet, and we start taking things out. Sure. Well. I would say that I think that's the wrong way to do it. I think you need to strip down and go down to the bottom level, the base level, bottom of the barrel. And so I went to like chicken, turkey, fish, vegetables, and nuts. And I literally was tired of eating dry nuts throughout this time period because you get, you know, two handfuls of pumpkin seeds and then you eat some unsalted almonds, you know, and they're dry and it's no flavor. Right. And I got to thinking, like, hey, you know, I need a lot of nutrition because, again, <laughs> I lost weight when I changed my diet. I lost, sure. about, I lost about 14 pounds in wow. about, about a month and a half. And so I was cold all the time. Um, so I just thought, hey, I can take some almond butter and dump a bunch of stuff in it. It'll be a bunch of calories, a bunch of fiber, a bunch of magnesium, which I need. And I was severely vitamin D deficient at the time, too. I didn't know that either. So hmm. crazy night sweats, crazy. And Google, once again... Yeah. Came through in a pinch. <laughs> so um, I just started taking almond butter and started dumping. At the time, I wasn't using coconut sugar. I was using stevia. Um, but I just started dumping all these different nuts and stuff in yeah. almond butter. Took a butter knife, churn it up, sit there. I taste it. It tastes pretty good. I go sit on the couch and eat like a 16-ounce jar like every other day. Um, so from there, I got to what we have here which people know today as life butter. So that's where that came from. I was just trying to create something that had a lot of nutrition, some fiber, yeah, and could deliver some extra, you know, vitamins and minerals that I needed because I was depleted in quite a few areas at that time. Yeah. Um and, and to to cap this all off, after I kind of switched my diet about a week or two later, I finally can get into my VA doctor and the doctor told me I didn't have candida. <laughs> really? That's exactly so what whole- I was told. That's hilarious. The so the doc- whole year you were doing this, uh, you know, to, to fix a candida, and the doctor's like, no, you don't have it. Yeah, so I got into the doctor <laughs> about, yeah, so it was about two weeks after I started the protocol and was changing my diet because I was starting to feel better. Yeah. And so I go to the doctor, and I say, hey, I think I have candida because of this. this. Oh, no, you don't have candida. I said, what? How do you know? I didn't do a spit test. I didn't do a blood test. 
doctor did nothing but told me I didn't have it. Didn't even sit down. Came in and said, oh, what can I do for you? Um, the doctor didn't like me much because I was told by this particular doctor the year before that if all my patients were like you, I'd be out of business, which isn't true. You work for the VA. <laughs> they just find you some other soldiers. Oh, my goodness. We could, we could spend another hour just talking about the ineptitude of the VA. Right. And right. Uh, Yeah. Good grief. And, and so, yeah, so that's how um, I got to this point. Wow. And what I did... Because uh, you never know if anybody else wants it or likes it. Sure, you know, the sure. wife told me it tasted pretty good. And so I got these little single-serve cups, these little, um, whatever, little cups with the lids on them. And I put some in those, and I put it in the bags for the juice delivery that I was doing. and said, hey, I put a little something in there. Let me know what you think. And I got great feedback. And yeah. one gal said, hey, you know, when can I buy this? It's delicious. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I said, uh, next week. And, of course, I immediately jumped on, like, Amazon. <laughs> I was trying to see who had something similar. Yeah. And I ordered a jar of something similar. And then I went to, you know, New Seasons, uh, Chuck's, Whole Foods, looking, trying to find something comfortable to get some pricing down. And everything just kind of went from there. Nice. It's, it's interesting to me that you, you stumbled upon something that fit a need for you, but you knew that there was a wider market for it. You know, I listened to enough audiobooks. I was going to, we were definitely going to bring that up. And, and rework. So I don't know if anybody, so um, I got to meet Sadie Lincoln a couple of years ago who started yeah. Bar 3. And I'm real great friends with Amy Gravencourt over in Philida who owns um, a Bar 3. And I've been told, and I've heard it even from Sadie herself, that um, rework is the Bar 3 Bible. And what he, what they, preaching that book is doing things different from everybody else and you can still be successful and they call it scratching your own itch um pretty much 10 times out of 10 if you have a need for something uh somebody else does as well sure and i can you guys can you can prove it to yourself if you have a problem around your house with your car or whatever it is go to youtube or just get on the internet google it and you will see somebody else has that problem <laughs> yeah. so there's a solution to your problem yeah so that's interesting. So, what has, after the the one customer said, "When can I buy it?" When did you know you needed to switch from juicing to doing almond butter? I mean, pretty much immediately. Really? Because the juice had a three day shelf life, and at the time, I was originally told this had a yeah. three month shelf life, which actually I've had other tests done on, and it's ten months. Um, so yeah, you look at shelf life, and then we look at the fact that eating we all eat. Mm-hmm. But and we all do drink, right? But for the most part, a lot of us run around dehydrated. So there's a difference in the beverages, and it's not the sure. real because we should be drinking more of this, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it was a easy. It was a. I mean, I knew as soon as I came up with it, and somebody wanted it. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to switch now. About three people on that that was on my juice rounds yeah. that I hit pretty much like weekly. Kind of like, what? You're not, you know? And I was yeah. like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. It'll be a little while. Use the juicer you have in the cabinet that you haven't used in a year. Right. Blow that dust off. <laughs> All right. Nice. So when when did you officially start Life Butter? Like, what was the first sort of uh, customer slash paperwork involved, all that stuff? So um, for, any, for nobody, well... So you hear, you know, you hear the term brain fog, mm-hmm. and because I was so disciplined because of my dad, and then the military on top of that, I was like, oh, these people are making up stuff. Now, I can't say how motivated or somebody else is or isn't really right. Um, I can only really, I guess, put that on myself. And so, I had brain fog during that time. Yeah, I was moving slow, and so once I did finally get that idea, that was um, it was twenty fifteen. And it still took me like an extra two to three months before I actually filed the paperwork yeah. for the um, LLC and, and whatnot. So um, that was no, I think it was November, was what my paperwork says, um, 2015. Nice. So, you know, I go to Fiverr to find me a logo, got some guys making me a logo, and I'm slowly going through everything. I would say, so it was the summer of 2016. Um, and actually, Amy Grabgord out at Bar 3 in Philida. Um, Purchased uh, my first case wholesale because nice. I did have to wait. I was in uh, LA Fitness over in Vancouver, and so yeah. that was my certified kitchen at the time. 
And yeah, I got my certificate and I was ready to roll. And she actually purchased the first two cases from me. Nice. Actually. It's amazing to me because people don't understand the heavy lifting that goes into making a food product. It's different than say, you know, I'm going to make this trinket, right? There's no FDA involved. There's no, you know, uh, local food uh, inspector or anything like that. What kind of things did you not anticipate when you started this food business? Well, so for me, because I had done the juice and dealt yeah. with, so when you're dealing directly to customer, um, usually the health, local health department is going to be sure. who you have to get involved with. Um, but when you go, when you're going to be wholesaling, that's Department of Agriculture. And because of the juice business, I already knew these individuals. Yeah. And I already had relationships at a couple of the stores as well. So because of the other um, it was much easier for me. Sure. Um, but it is, um, so I would say to anybody out there, if you're going to do a food product, try to find someone else in the area who's doing a food product and just scrape their brain. Yeah. Because they got it all in there. They've had to do it already. Sure. Yeah, and you don't want to just, you know, go at yourself. It's yeah. going to take you too long. What's been the biggest challenge starting a, a almond butter business? <sighs> Obscurity. Yeah. That's going to be the big one for pretty much any business. Nobody sure. knows you. Right, right. right? And then especially, so as as we look at the food plane, if you take, so I used to do raw juice. If you take, uh, if you go to the store and you buy a 16-ounce bottle of apple juice uh, from the store, that's dead apple juice, you know, it's going to cost you, I don't know, a 16-ounce, maybe a dollar sixty-nine. If you go and get raw juice, that same 16-ounce, um, if it's not organic, it might be 6 If it's organic, it may cost you 9 So we're playing in a totally different field now. So the same thing in the almond butter or nut butter realm, right? We have the old Peter Pan Jiffy Skippy, mm-hmm. which 16, 20-ounce, mm, I don't know, maybe 4 or 5 bucks. When you get into some of the specialty stuff that has superfoods and stuff in it, you're talking about you're really feeding the body at that point. Yeah. So it's a totally different plane. So you're going to be paying two, three times as much. Yeah. And that's the big one that is like it's a new category. Sure. And a lot of people, uh, well, I can't say a lot, but some haven't caught up. There are some who understand it right off the bat. And, and, and as long as you make it taste good, they're there. Yeah. And how do you compete in such a crowded market? Because you've already said, like, Justin's is out there. There's all these other, you know, brands that are out there. Like, how do you stand out to these other brands? So I got something that I'm working on that uh, people will see um, here in about another, (laughs) hopefully before winter, I can really get it going. And I don't want to mention what it is right now. You can't do that. They will see. You got to give them a little taste of, and I air quote that, of what it is that you're going to. So, so I'm going to have some hot wheels. Let's hot just wheels. Say, yeah, I'm going to have some nice. hot wheels. Hot wheels. Um, for you guys to engage in, kind of, and with. So That's awesome. Um, that's the big thing for me yeah. right now. And you do. So you look at the whole differentiation piece. Yeah. So you have to do something different. And the big thing, too, about food is people have to taste it. Yeah. If, if, you, if they don't taste it, a friend of them had to have tasted it. So right. you're not going to get out without doing the, some type of demoing and sampling. Yeah, um, for patrons to be able to check it out. And in your business, social media has to play such an important piece to that. Oh, it does. Right? It does. H- how do you how do you utilize? Because you're 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 just a, a man of a team of one. Yeah, exactly. So you're the SEO. You are the uh, CEO, the CTO, C- the CFO, yep, CFO, like all that CMO. Like, how do you find time to do all of that and still stand out within social media? Uh, well, so you know, kind of like. Um, for those who listen to Gary Vee, he says, you know, like your day is the content. So it's a lot of what I'm doing if I'm actually making product, which I'm going to start doing more videos on that. Um, it's just a matter of what you're showing people what you're actually doing at a given time. And yes, um, I do a little bit of bouncing around, a lot of traveling, um, especially from here to Seattle now, um, which is fun for me, though, because I like to drive. And I'm going to see if I can incorporate some distribution. So looking at other ways to... Um, Maybe bring money in while you're doing what you're actually doing. The, but the, seriously, the differentiation piece is, I mean, as easy as you and I both say we put out a book on entrepreneurship. And um, a true professional rates our books, and they're pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, being that you're you and I'm me, yeah. we're going to, to some degree, attract a little bit of a different audience. So that in itself is part of it. And then the bigger part, I think, um, is the current relationships with, that you have mm-hmm. with other people and other other people of influence. And then getting out, especially on like Instagram, right, using hashtags. I'm meeting people kind of all the time who we kind of send um, 
direct messages back and forth and then maybe start emailing about doing some collaboration on the side because I view that as being the big heavy point nowadays. If two people can put their energy into something and they both can benefit, then you're definitely winning because just back to the military, right? Mm -hmm. There are times where you need to do, you need to be a solo individual on that mission, but the majority of the missions for you to complete them, you need a team. Yeah. Right, you yeah. need a team. And even if it's a team of two for a while, and that's why my, my youngest daughter is um, helping me out from time to time now. Nice. As I start to work on really trying to beef things up because I'm trying to still kind of lay some groundwork working on some relationships right now. You've been you've been saying that you're really just in a couple stores right now, yep. but what at what point do you, does distribution get in the conversation and you know how how do you how do you even approach that at a, well, at such a small scale? It's so funny. So um, what I'm currently looking at is some other relationships outside of like the grocery chain sure. instead of being in so many health food stores. Um, as far as corporations, actually, it's kind of one of my focuses right now, and so. I'm trying to do it controlled, yeah, slower and controlled, as yeah. opposed to getting out of hand. Because with a lot of stories that I've heard and listened to in podcasts, so many people try to grow so fast they cannibalize themselves. What? And one of the first stories I remember hearing that about was who I think it was MCI because mm. we were in telecom. Yeah, yeah. So, and so yeah, I think about that like daily. And then of course, you think about you know because people are going to say, oh well, you know how much are you making? How much growth do you have? So I'm not looking to to get anybody's money right now. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so uh, I'm trying to keep it personal and make sure I have a, a nice foundation before I go running out here in the streets and I don't. And then you get out here and you start all this stuff cars coming in and it crumbles yeah. uh, before it's even built. Um, that I am definitely trying to stay away from. So if that means I'm taking half steps instead of full steps for a few months longer, then I'm willing to do that. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great approach. And I think that you've hit the nail on the head. A lot of people do what they can to grow as quickly as they can because they think that's the way they need to grow. And what ends up happening is you can't do everything well. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't go and do SEO really well and, and do social media really well and do distribution. You can't do it all. Yeah, email marketing. Yeah, all that, that stuff. The, yeah. yeah, blogging and content, all that stuff. Um, some of the So as you've gone through this journey to this point, what do you think is the main takeaway, the main lesson that you've learned so far to this point? So I would honestly say, you know, like I said, my dad was an entrepreneur of me growing up, and I can remember a lot of the relationships that he had. So a big, big part of if you're going to step out here and jump out into entrepreneurship, I would definitely say finding great mentors is a huge piece. So there's a mentor component because you want to be around people who can give you some guidance. Uh, on things that they've done already where they failed. And another part of the mentor piece is listening to these audiobooks on successful entrepreneurs because, again, that's another form of mentorship. They aren't there. You can't speak directly back to them, but they go through certain stories of their trials and tribulations in their books or a podcast. And especially on a lot of podcasts, um, you can reach out to those individuals. They'll tell you at the end of the podcast, and they'll say, hey, how can they, you know, my um, listeners get a hold of you? And they'll tell you, it's like, hey, well, you know, if you just want to call me and ask me a couple of questions or whatever, yeah, they can feel free. They'll give you the email. So it's great information um, being put out everywhere. You don't have to go through this thing alone. Um, that's the biggest piece. Even if you are a, what we call a solopreneur, solo veteranpreneur, um, there's assistance out there. And uh, yeah, you just have to be okay with, with asking. And you have to be a good self-study. You're going to have to work on yourself. Jim Rohn said this. He said, you can work on your job and earn a living. But if you work on yourself, you can earn a fortune. Because I mean, you can leave that job, you can start a company, you can maybe go work in a much bigger company, and you become the marketing piece yourself. Mm -hmm. right. that's, that's really interesting. Uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break, cool? Yep. Awesome. This time we're going to talk about CPA dues, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what we pay. Uh, they don't charge for they don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done, which is so different than uh, you know my my CPA. But you know we won't talk about that. Uh, find them at cpadudes.com/slash/startupradio. Tell them Josh and Carmen sent you. Uh, you know we have about I don't know 15 minutes left. I want to dig in about into uh, more lessons, and I want to really talk about where Life Butta is, is headed. So that's my first question is where where do you see Life Butta being in, you know, say, three years from now? Three years from now? 
on quite a few of the major campuses. Yeah. Um, whether that be tech. Um, so let's say like uh, Google, Facebook. Um, why? Um, because I believe by that time, I will definitely have gotten enough traction on the market. Yeah. Right. And met some people who understand the health components of it. And as we continue this shift to move toward healthier food products, um, I believe it'll be something that they'll want to offer to their employees. Because you think about, I mean, I used to be a technician, so I understand, um, like, overtime. I worked a ton of overtime. I was the overtime king over at New Edge. <laughs> and, you know, pizza's great, right? But I don't, you're not going to get a lot of fuel, the fuel that you need. Right. Um, trying to drink coffee and eat pizza. You're probably going to wind up, while I was at, with some serious stomach issues. So, um, you know, as much as we talk about tech, and tech is great, so... I use a hashtag a lot of times, which is tech food. Yeah. So that technician, we want them to be a bit leaner, eat a bit cleaner, so that they can do uh, more precise, longer work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, outside of health food stores and grocery stores, yeah, I definitely see uh, some of the campuses because they are looking for healthier um, alternatives for their um, associates or employees. <laughs> it, it's interesting that you take that tact of like, you know, most most people, if they start a, a food company, they're going to go after all of the, you know, they're going to go after, you know, multiple food chains or they're going to go after grocery stores. You're, t- you're taking a different tact. And, and I'm really curious as to what, what you're thinking behind doing that versus going out and getting grocery stores and, and why you think that's going to be your path to growth. Well... If you take most, most, so a lot of successful entrepreneurs will say, do the opposite of what everybody else is doing yeah. in a lot of spaces. So most run to the, you know, the stores and then you have to get into distribution, which I'm going to ultimately get into, sure. um, but I'm just trying to slow that process down and see um, if I can do a little bit more direct, right, yeah. um, to the end user, so to speak. And if you think about being on a campus like that where people who have more disposable income. Yeah. Um, yes, they're going to go to a grocery store, but those people are going to be scattered out in different areas. So if you can go right directly to those individuals, sure. Um, I just think it. I just think it's, it's great. It'll work great. Um, it is newer, of course, because um, that model hasn't been around for a very long time. It's just somewhat like the, because um, I know, who is it? Integra. Before I left, they had the system set up with the snack machines, and you got the little... Uh, swipey thing on your key card I mean on your key card or either on your um, keys that uh, you put money on it and then they had the items there and you could swipe it and it they had the camera recording you so it's just this this whole change about how food is being offered now especially healthy food so um, again you got these people who who want to consciously eat a lot healthier than they had been out of that old vending machine with just those chips in it and soda Um, so they're changing the game and I want to help be a part of that. That's interesting. It's, it's an interesting tag, and I, I'm not attacking you for it or anything yeah. like that. I just think it, it's really interesting that you're taking a, a different approach, and I, I think it's going to work. I, I genuinely do because I'm with you. I, I you know, you. I've worked at Google in the past at Googleplex, and yeah. you know they have these little pods, and you just grab whatever you want. And if they're more healthier options, then I think that you know benefits everybody involved. Right. Right. That's awesome. Uh, cool. So uh, we just have a few minutes left, but um, what other? I, you read a lot of books. You're, and I was just, I was just t- commenting this uh, out in the green room. But uh, like, you, out of all the entrepreneurs I've met, and I've met a lot of them, right? <laughs> you're the, you're the one entrepreneur that uh, is just constantly digesting books. What, what? If I was an entrepreneur just starting out. What do you think the top three or five books I should be reading are? So first of all, he gave me too much credit. He said I read them. I don't really read them. I listen to them. <laughs> you you digest books. <laughs> yeah, I do. Books. I do. I can so there you go. <laughs> um, so on um, Audible or um, actually YouTube has a lot of full audio books. Nice. Um, I tell you what. So he's an old guy, um, uh, Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich has made more millionaires than any other book. Think and Grow Rich. Yep. Think and Grow Rich. Okay. You can actually find it somewhere on the internet. Um, Yeah. Just Google search it, and it should be on YouTube, and you can listen to it for free. Interesting. Um, 
interesting being out here and I just mentioned this book. So you got to understand, I mean, I've went through a ton of books and some of them I can't remember until I get into a situation and then like, oh, hey, and it pops in my head. <laughs> but I can tell you, so I go out to uh, the Nike campus from like at least once a month. And every time I go out there, um, I just, uh, the book, right? The book is called Shoe Dog, Phil Knight, Bill Bowerman and all of their, uh, what they did to create Nike. And I can tell you, if you're thinking about business or um, you're already in business and if you haven't read it or listened to it, I think you should because it's great to hear these people's struggles and everybody would think like, oh, Nike, yeah, he makes all this money. I feel Nike, he's going Yeah, but I mean, that they had some struggles starting out. Um, I've listened to quite a, I've read quite a few books and actually had to read those on yeah. um, O. Howard Schultz and, and Starbucks. But the other book that I would refer you to, which I just finished a couple of days ago, is Made in America by Sam Walton. And I know a lot of people, um, you know, like how Walmart runs itself and would say not paying certain employees in the well, Walmart yeah. itself is a pretty polarizing organization to right. begin with, right? right. And, but Sam Walton... Sam, right. See, yeah. that's the point. Sam Walton, he even says in his book that he hoped that his um, grandkids and great-grandkids would value the principles that he and his kids had. And yeah. But if we look at that... So I just posted on Instagram yesterday on yeah. my main feed that... Yeah. He would be unhappy. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I can tell you, it's a it's a great book because kind of like Phil, they didn't. Nike wasn't the thing that they started with, right. and so Walmart itself was not the thing that he started with, but he created. Yeah, and it's interesting. I have so many uh, entrepreneurs that ask me about what they should be doing at an early stage, right? And uh, and I, I typically make this analogy is. Uh, the Jeff Bezos uh, analogy, right? When he started Amazon, yeah. he didn't say, I'm going to drop shit on people's houses with drones and you know buy a bunch of servers and put them in the middle of the Arizona desert. No, he said, I'm going to be the biggest bookstore in the world. Yep. Step one. And when he was, he moved on to something, something else. else. Yeah. So it's interesting, like you know, Walmarts and the Starbucks of the world and, and everything else, they didn't start as you know what they are today. They sort of organically grew into what they have become. Right, right. But in the early stages, it's a struggle. It is a struggle. It is. Yeah. And and the more you hear about other people's struggle, you'll understand. I'm going to struggle too. Yeah. And when you haven't heard the stories of other people's struggles, and you think that you're supposed to catapult, and you don't, that's when people are more apt to quit. It's it's amazing. Uh, I, where where can people find uh, Life Butter? Oh, Life Butter www.lifebutter.com. That's L I F E B U T T A A dot com. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say this before we get out of here. And yeah. Josh mentioned this earlier. So Josh is the CEO of uh, PBC, <laughs> which is Patriot Boot Camp. Um, we have to go into this for a second. So yeah. Um, through telecom, uh, Sean, I can't remember his name. No, Weiss, Weiss. Oh, Sean Weiss. Sean yeah. Weiss. I always yeah. grew up his last name. That's okay. Sorry. We worked together at um, uh, New Edge yeah. for some years. And when I came, so I was down in uh, this past year, past few months, I was down in Dallas um, in a training program down there. And I came back in December, and he and I, Sean and I sat down and actually had uh, lunch together. And he mentioned... <clears throat> excuse me, he mentioned Josh, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's got Patriot Boot Camp. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll look into that, because I had seen it before, and it wasn't time to apply, so it was out yeah. of my mind. <laughs> um, he brought it up, and then I actually followed Josh on Twitter. Um, we tweeted back and forth a yeah. little bit, and then based on the fact of me being down in Dallas, I applied for the um, program that they had, the boot camp in San Antonio, and I made it in, and I showed up down there and um, actually met Josh, and we got to talk a little bit which was really cool. And so, again, because I was still down in that area, South by Southwest kicked off, and I ran into he and Michael, um, this other guy. Ertmer. with uh, Michael yeah, Ertmer, yeah. With, uh, with Bunker Labs. So I got to hang out with those guys a little bit and got to hang out with Josh and really get to know him a little bit, which was really cool. And then we got together one time since I've been back up here. No, yeah. twice, twice yeah. since I've been back. So, um, yeah, I appreciate him. appreciate Patriot Boot Camp um, and what they're doing. Uh, if you're a veteran or military spouse, I would highly uh, suggest that you go and apply um, because they have a great mentorship program within their program. Um, they're one of the only ones that I know of that right out from the jump 
uh, they want to get you together with a mentor. And as I mentioned earlier, mentors are very, very important. They're vital uh, kind of to what you're going to be doing so that you're not walking around blind. No, I appreciate you saying that. And it's funny, uh, South by Southwest was so fun. It I, was. I had never been. It was my first time going. I ran into you, and we had such a great time. But uh, And I want to go again. I want to go every year from I'm now about, on. Yeah, I'm about to try yeah. and work it into the schedule. I have to. That was... And, you know, I've mentioned to people that I've been, and they say, yeah. oh, yeah, well, I've been down there. No, 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 but they were just down in the area with everybody else. They didn't have a badge to get into anything. Right. I said, no, no, when you go into these, yeah, totally yeah. different experience. I agree, and originally I was going to do that. I was just going to go to, like, the networking events and not yeah. get a badge, and we ended up getting a badge, and I was so glad we did because it was, it was nice to be able to, like, go into any of the— you know, panel discussions. I, you know, right. I met really good people in the ecosystem. What I will say about this ecosystem, and whether whether you're aligned yourself with you know Bunker Labs or Patriot Bootcamp or uh, IV, IVMF or EBV or any of the other programs that are out there, I think what's really unique about the veteran entrepreneurial community is that we all want to help each other out, yeah. and we do everything we can to do that. Right. And uh, and so, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's nice to have a friend and and somebody here in in studio. Uh, to to talk to about this stuff, so I'm I'm glad. Thank you so much for back for at you, in. man. Back at you, and I mean that. Yeah, no, and uh, so so any parting words you want to uh, give to the audience? Um, you know what? Um, Follow you I, on Instagram. I, I was just well, yeah. You hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> it's life underscore butter. Same thing on Facebook, um, but I'm a little bit more active on Instagram. Follow me, please. Um, we can interact a bit. Yeah, maybe I can send you some stuff if you haven't tried it. Um, but the thing I do want to say as far as health-wise, because I've run ahead, so it's been stomach issues for me. It's never been weight. Um, I've never had a weight issue. Um, but we need to look at what we're putting into our bodies. We really do. Uh, we can't really hold the man or the woman wearing the white coat. Um, we can hold them accountable to a certain extent, but we need to look in the mirror and really take a look at what we're putting in our body and what we should be putting in our bodies. And I know it's tough. It's not easy because when I had to go through that month of uh, when I changed my diet, it was really tough. Um, but it's it's worth it. It's worth it. I can tell you that, um, especially if you have uh, kids, grandkids, any of that stuff. And you should want to do it, I'm going to say, for yourself as opposed to anybody else. But if you're not going to do it for yourself, find somebody else or another reason um, for you to make some health changes um, so you can stick on this plane a little bit longer and be a bit healthier while you're here doing it. Yeah, and if life better can be a part of that, then all the better. For sure. All the better, better. <laughs> hey, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, and we'll see everybody next week. You've been listening to the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.